Hello, I am Stefan Koritar and welcome to the Tech Talk podcast. This is the show where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry and the way the tech business works. I have conversations about technology, innovation, people and life around tech businesses and communities with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. On this episode, I interviewed Boris Hristov. Boris is the founder of Presentation Agency, 356 Labs and the PowerPoint MVP. He has presented in more than 25 countries and has been rated as the top speaker multiple times. Boris has years of experience as a trainer, mentor and consultant and he and his team are working with companies like Deutsche Telekom, KPMG, Renault, Société Générale, Rocher, Publicis, Experian, Bosch, VMware, Adidas and many many more to help them write, design, and deliver truly effective presentations. His agency is also the only presentation agency in the world speaking at Microsoft Ignite, the biggest yearly event of Microsoft attended by more than 25,000 people. This is not my first conversation with Boris, but definitely the best so far. Enjoy a full conversation about presentations, how to present, what to present, and the technicalities around it. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention, please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the show. It would mean the world to me and the team behind it. Thanks and enjoy the conversation. Hello, Boris, and welcome to Tech Talk. Hey, thank you for having me. Boris, it, it, it's not the first time we meet and... Um, uh, the first time our conversation, our first conversation, I remember it was at Startup Grind and uh, that was one hell of a conversation because it was <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. one that was combined even with a presentation around like more like uh, to do's and how to's in terms of doing presentations. So that was yep. super, super nice and helpful for the community. So yeah, hopefully so. Yeah, I, I was full of energy back then. Like I went insane <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Um, I remember it was summer, so definitely we had uh, we had more energy from from the sun and and so on. Um, awesome. So I'm gonna dive in straight into our questions and let's go. At least m- my questions. I'm gonna <laughs> be asking <laughs> go. the questions. Um, so one thing that you know uh, we we've, we've known each other uh, for quite some time, and uh, yeah, uh, we come to meet all types of businesses right and my yeah. first question to you is like how did you come to this like niche niche within a niche business idea presentation design agency yeah we have, first of all so that just to make sure that everyone is aligned on what they are listening to for sure like our company is called 356 labs right mm-hmm. and it's not exactly a presentation design agency we categorize it as a presentation agency and it's funny that you say presentation design agency because when we started it and i'll get back to how it started when we started it however we really wanted to just create beautiful presentations and beautiful slides right and we actually called ourselves presentation design agency however our first project which was with deutsche telecom during the project itself, we noticed a big flaw in how businesses approach their presentations. We saw the request, which was, hey, can you help us make this presentation look sexy? Right? I told that mm-hmm. even at the Startup Grind um, event, the Deutsche Telekom guys asked us, can you make this se- look sexy? And we said, sure. And what's even more 
it needed to become better, right? So they were right that they needed better slide design. However, once we analyze the audience, because one of the most important things for a successful presentation is the audience, it turned out that even though we may end up creating those slides in a completely different way, meaning from their visual perspective, this presentation was going to fail, right? Because the story that we were telling was not for that audience. We were telling a technical story mm -hmm. in front of decision makers and executives. And that is for sure going to bomb badly. So this moment actually made us rethink the company and we ended up calling ourselves presentation agency because mm -hmm. we recreated the whole story. Then we throw that newly created story to the design team. And then we even rehearsed with um, the sales director how he would deliver that presentation. So this way we covered all of the three components that we always talk about, story, design, and delivery. So that is something that's really interesting that you said presentation design. <laughs> yeah. Well, even even when when it comes to the story, you still design it, right? So um, that is true. That is true. But that was that is super interesting that you said. What were some some of the, you know, key things that you discovered in that presentation that you knew from from the beginning that that wouldn't work? Like some you know a couple of examples. Yeah. So immediately, I will let you know the biggest one is that when you look at the story itself what those guys are willing and aiming to say, what they're trying to do and what they're planning to say on the stage is a lot of technical details, right? What type of laptops potentially a customer can buy? What level of, what generation of processor they have? What is the speed of the, what is the clock speed of the processor? No CEO cares about this, the speed and the generation of the processors of some laptops that they are buying as part of a service. So the extreme amount of details in the talk itself were a red flag that, and I, to be honest, or was the only flag that was out there that told us, that said to us, you have to stop and rethink everything. So it was just that much obvious. And it was confirmed by the fact that when we asked the organizers of the event, because we called the organizers, it was a conference. So if you want to understand the audience of a conference, the conference is being organized by somebody. Yeah, those, exactly. those people are called organizers. You can call them, mail them, find them somewhere on LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, and just ask, hey, who do we expect there, right? Don't break the GDPR rules. Just tell me like a demographic of the audience. Tell me the demographics. And they sent to us a pie chart right? And mm -hmm. that pie chart had just two pieces, just two slices. And <laughs> one of them was 25%, which was IT people, um, architects, like QAs, developers, in the engineering yeah. kind of power, yeah. right? And the other 75% were managers, executives, CTO level people. And I was like, okay, if that is our main audience and we are talking about clock speed of a processor, we have a big issue here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. So that was the red, that was the moment when we that just flipped everything and made us rethink the whole presentation and the whole project with the customer. And we were thankfully able to communicate that very professionally with them because it's very com like, you can imagine that you telling the sales director of a Deutsche, of Deutsche Telekom, Hey, you know, yeah. um, we need to change that because it won't work. It's <laughs> what was what was their, their their response to that? Were they open? 
Yes, they were open, but the reason why they're open were it was actually because we got recommended to the sales director by the sales manager, right? Mm-hmm. So his kind of person on his team recommended to uh, to him that they need to work with us. And I would never forget his words because we more or less grow, we kind of grew up together. Um, and he said to the sales director, leave them to do what they think it's right. Mm-hmm. Just leave them for once, right? And maybe that was the sentence that he needed to hear. I don't know, but he really just accepted everything that we said and went for it, right? And they, by the way, closed a very big deal because of that. Oh, nice. Yeah, a very, you, very big deal. Do you build case studies on 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 things like that, on stories like this? I mean, yes, of course. I mean, if you, oh, that's great. <laughs> I mean, when you yeah, say that, uh, you know, that uh, your your final output, your final work helps a major um, corp structure to nail yeah. a very big deal, I, that's a... Yeah, 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 we have a lot of those examples in our short, in our portfolio. Just recently, we did a presentation for Deloitte, right? And that presentation for Deloitte ended up allowing and enabling the country director of Deloitte here in Sofia to become a partner in the organization, which is huge i mean this is he said that when we started the project if he manage if he manages to do that presentation well this will be a life changing event in his career not not work kind of type of a life changing event if you become a partner at deloitte and we kind of spend a lot of time in this presentation people can see it in the portfolio obviously it's a very short kind of overview of everything mm-hmm. that happened but it it was again this thing that when you hire somebody you will find it in the best executives i believe out there that when they hire somebody they are willing to listen mm-hmm. and they are willing to accept those advices right so i was completely amazed how much he listened and how much he was willing to do things that we recommended that were completely the opposite of what he believed was right and that i have seen now in the last 5 years so many times in the top executives out there is just that kind of common thing between them right and i also try to learn from that because if they do it it's obvious that that's the that's the way to go especially when you hire them right yeah. you hire them why are you not <laughs> listening to them so exactly. that is something that something that really made an impression on me yeah yeah i mean that was a really uh, hashtag no pressure right Um, yeah for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah boris do you think do you think um or better question a better better uh way of saying it do you believe the attention to powerpoint presentations is underrated oh psh, it is <laughs> i would say that it's even worse i mean jesus um the attention in regards to whether or not people care about that is just it almost does not exist and that is very very sad and i'm not saying it because we name powerpoint let's say but that is the same for google slides prezi apple keynote just the attention to the present to how we present is just not there unfortunately and because of that there are two things that happen the first the first one is that it's very sad for people like you and me and the people who listen right because we pay to go to virtual events to conferences to seminars events exactly and we end up being disappointed yeah right we end up being very disappointed and say what, what was this i mean come on like 500 euros for that event like seriously 
Yeah. And the other part of it is that it's both sad, but it's super nice though, if you think about it, because those people and those organizations that just push a little bit, right? Just not by hiring company like ours, right? Let's just not, let's not focus on that at all. Just push themselves a little bit. They immediately differentiate from everyone else. It's just because that skill is so rare that when you have it and when you combine it with another business skill, with finance, with HR, with marketing, with IT, with whatever, plus you have the presentation skills and the understanding of, hey, how do I build a story? How do I create slides that really help me, right? Mm -hmm. Really help me and not prevent me to communicate a message. It's just a combination that you really want to strive for. And it's an immediate differentiator on the market. Since you already mentioned events, right? And going to events yeah. and being expensive. Yeah. Um, I think you're doing something because I've seen it on, on LinkedIn, you know, present to succeed. Yes. What is that? Can you share some, yeah. some more info? So that, first of all, thanks for asking. That was not planned at all, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, present to succeed is our an idea that we, I personally have for more than two years now. Mm. And this year I just decided to realize it. So present to succeed is the largest premium presentation skills conference in the world. It will happen again, the largest premium yet affordable. That's very important for me to mention because the lowest, like the cheapest ticket is just 49 euros with the taxes, right? Mm -hmm. With VATs and stuff. And at the same time, we will bring in April 2021, we will bring the brightest, I mean, the brightest minds in our industry and not only the brightest minds, but also the brightest minds who are also top speakers, right? Mm-hmm. And that is something that's very different because you know very well, for example, I was part of uh, Brand Minds that yeah. is located like that was hosted in Romania. If you were, if somebody was part of this event, you know, that it's one thing to be a great, like a bright, one of the leaders in an industry and is a completely different thing to be able to communicate that. Especially in the virtual world. And it's so interesting to see that many of the top speakers that Brand Minds invites still don't understand that presenting in person is so different than presenting virtually. And they still do it in the same way as they do it on the stage and it won't work and it will never work. It's yep. just the, the format is different. So present to succeed is that event that I really wanted to happen. I really wanted to make sure that our industry has this event, right? Because we want to show that 20 out of 20 sessions can be top, right? We have a lot of mechanisms that we are doing this behind the scenes. So not only we are inviting the best, not only we are inviting the top speakers per se, but we are also going to approve their sessions, right? So no session will go and be in front of you guys without me personally Hmm. approving that session. And you know me, I'm a little (laughs) bit fanatic in terms of how presentations are structured, how they look how they're being delivered. So this way we're going to guarantee uh, the quality that everyone will get. And of course, there are four masterclasses also, which are with people like Kendall Heaven, the person who more or less wrote the books on storytelling and then science. He actually did the research. 
on storytelling. He was the person who everyone quotes, right? And he accepted to deliver a workshop for four hours on storytelling. I get goosebumps right now for 140 euro. I was like, Jesus. When he accepted, I'm not kidding. I was in the other room in the office. So I was in the other room. When he accepted, I was like, okay. So now just to give you context, I'll be the moderator of this workshop because I personally want to be part of it. <laughs> and he was like, okay, Boris, not a problem. But I'm, yeah, it, it's just mesmerizing. Like, it is super nice that these uh, workshops will happen. So, yeah, that is the event. Everyone is welcomed. Like, if you are into presentations, if you feel that presentations are important to you, or if you just want to get on another level in the presentation mm-hmm. game, in your presentations, just join us. Even the cheapest ticket gets you the whole experience. So, do you I think, would definitely recommend it. Do you, think, do you think we can work out some discount for our community? This is, again, everybody Absolutely. who's listening, uh, this is not planned. So it, It's not planned. You, you are going to let me know what promo code, how the promo code should be named. Mm-hmm. And I will generate that promo code immediately after the okay. after the and event. We can, so we can let, share. What is the what should be the promo code so that people can hear it? Uh, let it be something short. Tech Think Talk PPT. It. Tech Talk PPT. That one, again, it's forty nine euros only. So let's not get crazy here. I will create a promo code for that one, and let's ex- like let's discount it even more we'll get 15 percent discount on every ticket category including the master classes if somebody wants to join okay cool i will definitely um i will maybe i don't know if she's gonna listen or not but my partner uh Madalina, okay. she's a, she's a storyteller right and uh, i think she will definitely love the master class w- what was it tech talk ppt yeah tech talk ppt Perfect. I wrote that down because I don't want to forget it or create it in some other way. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, Enough for me. Uh, yeah. Once again, um, premium presentations that are affordable present to succeed. An event that was going to be hosted in 2021, and we're going to share some more details April. in the yeah, yeah in the des- in the description once we release this podcast. Um, so back <laughs> to our kind of uh, line of conversation and around presentations. And I'm going to go back to startup founders, right? Which are kind of early in the game. They don't know what it is about presentations, pitch decks and so yeah. on. So yeah. what are the like top three mistakes that startup founders do when they create their pitch deck or about to create? It's very simple to answer this one. I mean, the first one is that there is no... Let me give you four. So I'll start with the most basic one that I don't even consider. Thinking about the the slide design is not even in their minds. Let's put it, let's just be honest. Okay. I mean, let's just be honest. There is like, it is so rare to see somebody spending effort, time and energy in making sure that the visual part is professional. And that is just, let me let me just put that down as one of the four. I don't even want to consider it as one of the biggest big, biggest mistakes because it's just like top, top of my, on in my head. Like if I have to be super serious in that one, the design is the second part of any project in, uh, in a presentation project. The f- things that they, I think, confuse a lot is first of all, who exactly is the audience? that are going to listen or that's going to read that document that they're sending over email. 
why I'm saying this is because they approach every investor the same way or every audience the same way. And that's not, that's not going to work. Every person is different. And the crazy part is that if you think about it, you can find a lot of information about your audience if you just want to, right? If you are sending presentation to an investor, like Google him or her, Google them, spot something, take a look at their LinkedIn, take a look at the interviews they give, take a look at their websites, like ask your friends, colleagues. Like I always say that, let's just be more structured here. I always say that there are three tip, three things that you want to know about any audience. First is the demographics, mm-hmm. age, like is it male, female, both? Are they having children? Don't like the demographics, nationalities, religion, all of those stuffs, all of those stuff. Then you have the personal information for this person, like who is he, interests, communities, all of that things, all of those things. And then you have the professional type of information, like where is he working? Who is he experienced? Where did he invest before? Like all of those things that are kind of professionally related. And if you think about it, those three categories of information, you can find on three different places, right? The internet, mm-hmm. right? all over the web, like all over. I'm not going to name websites, it's clear. Uh, but the internet, then the organizer of the event, if there is a, an event, the organizer will tell you or potentially can tell you and you are you should be willing to ask and then it's the people around you your network your friends your colleagues the people that you know your family even can know something about the audience that you want to affect that sometimes are not even public right just think mm-hmm. about it if if let's say i have to present in front of you right i may end up asking someone on your team hey tell me something about Stefan like who is he in his free time like what does he like on and on and on and i'll take all of that information i'm I'm going to say "Hmm, that's interesting Mm -hmm. let me think about how can i incorporate this into my presentation so that it resonates with you right so that is the first mistake uh not understanding the audience and not taking the audience in mind that is true and people will be shocked people will be surprised how much information is there and i want you once you find it to ask yourself okay can i use this right and how can I use it, right? Without it looking creepy, right? Promise me that it, you won't include something in your presentation that you found on the web and you are like, okay, let's put that. And it will be so obvious that it's now creepy, right? I will give you an example where somebody found on the, the one of the C-level people of a automotive brand from Sweden. Let's see which one that is. Uh, <laughs> it was invited to a meeting here. And that is, by the way, we haven't worked with that customer, right? This is the country director. We meet each other like in a lobby of a building and he just tells me the story. So he sends an appointment to his people with a name inside of the calendar appointment. So this guy is coming to Sofia to listen to a pitch from three people in that company. They're going to present the latest innovations in their software product. And so these guys end up Googling his name and they found his Facebook profile, his Facebook profile was opened and it was not private. So they started kind of exploring this person's Facebook profile, which is, I mean, you have to do that, especially if there are a lot of things on the line, right? Mm -hmm. Winning new business, uh, like your career, all of those things are on the line. And they found that this person had a hobby, but his hobby was interesting. 
right? It was not running, jogging, CrossFit, tap out, gym, uh, photography, whatever. It was actually that he enjoyed riding horses, right? And how do you know that he has this hobby? Well, every single post, every single photo, every single comment is related to that, mm -hmm. right? And there's, there were some people that told me, you know, maybe he created his profile in such a way so that he kind of confuses people like you, man. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Five yeah, years in the making, somebody, <laughs> a C-level executive in an automotive brand spends his time exactly. faking his life just because sometime in the future, you know, <laughs> someone will present in front of him and he will find this. Come on. Um, and creepy means you bringing a horse into the room, right? I mean, that is creepy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he likes horses, right? And there were people that were saying, okay, let me just bring a horse then into the room. Well, that's creepy, right? That, that's, that's way too much now. Way too much, yeah. Yeah, but, but you comparing one of your main features, right? Or newest features with the experience of riding a specific type of horse, a specific breadth of horses, and, and then just moving on as, you, as nothing happened yeah. may work. Right? Or I've using been... a comparison with yeah. horsepower may work. Exactly. Right? So all of those things, you have to be creative, find that information and just use it. Right. Try to figure out how can I use this without it looking creepy. That is one thing. The audience, right? Second is goal. That is more simple, right? They don't define a goal for that presentation or a document that they send over email. Bearing notice something when I say send over email i'm not sending i'm not saying presentation right presentations are being delivered in person or virtually what we end up sending over email you can say it's a presentation but it's more detailed right it's a little bit more as it looks more like a document because when you send it over email you are not there to present it right right and it has to be more detailed because i or you have to read it and everything should be clear, right? So the second thing that they get wrong is they don't define a goal, what they want to happen after this presentation is delivered or after the document is read to the end, let's say. Do they want, for example, to for the, the audience to, let's say, go to their website? Do they want to receive an email from them? Do they want to uh, subscribe that audience to a newsletter? Do they want to invest in a company? I always train people when we talk, when we work with our customers is that I always say, hey, just imagine that I'm giving you a magic stick, right? A magic wand, right? You, this, with this magic stick, you have the power to make the audience do anything you want. Just anything. What would you want them to do after that presentation is over? or after they read that presentation. That is the goal. And mm -hmm. the reason why you have that is because once you brainstorm the content of the presentation afterwards, you are going to compare every single idea that you have with the goal and with the audience. That's you so write super that. nice. I mean, think about it, man. Like, think about it. When you see, let's use a product example, yeah. right? The most commercial example is Apple, right? Yeah. Let's start there. Apple's presentations are not being built by Apple. They're built, they're being built by colleagues of ours that are called Duarte. We know each other. So how are they being built? 
let's just kind of bring you back in time when the first iPhone was launched. Okay, let's just imagine that moment for a second. Come with me in the moment in the world where I, where our phones were having batteries that were lasting for 10 days, right? Just remember that moment in time. Now, iPhone is about to be launched, right? And now, this iPhone, this product, the battery lasts less than a day, right? We know that now. It still lasts not more than a day, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> However, if you look and if you go back to the recording of this presentation, if you remember that presentation, you will see and you will never hear Steve Jobs or anyone on their team saying you that the battery of this iPhone lasts less than a day. Why is that not going to be said during the presentation? Well, it's, trust me, it's not because he doesn't know, right? Imagine that Steve Jobs doesn't know that the battery of his phone lasts for less than a day. Really? Right? <laughs> really? <laughs> Seriously? Come on. Uh, what ends up happening is that their goal, what is the end goal of this presentation? When the audience leaves the room, they need to go in front of the closest store they have and wait for it, wanting to buy it. That's the end goal. If he was able to do one thing with that audience, it was going to ask them to go there and buy it. That's the end goal. And there is nothing wrong with this, right? That's just sales presentation. Who is in the audience then? Who is in the audience? Well, investors and people from Apple. However, we forget something. There are also people in the room who are from the media, right? And those journalists are very interesting people. If you let them know that the battery lasts for less than a day, do you know what's going to happen inside of the room? Do you know what articles are going to be written on the next day? What's more, the audience is also us, right? Me and you, right? So that is, again, how they come up. They come up with the idea, write it on a sticky note, and they say, hey, why don't we mention that the battery lasts for less than a day? And they look at their goal, making the audience buy it, right? Sell the product in front of that group. And they say, if we say that the battery lasts for less than a day in front of that group of people, will it help us achieve that goal? And the answer there is no, it won't. And that's why it, that idea, which is otherwise maybe a great idea, gets left out from that talk, right? And I'll end up with this. I'll end up with this. I don't know whether or not you have thought about it. But have you noticed that some of those product type of presentations, keynotes by Microsoft, Apple, Adobe, like all of those, have you noticed something very strange compared to the other presentations, product presentations out there that we, together with you and your listeners are doing? There is like a very interesting difference there. There is something missing in those presentations that is kind of normal in, no, in most presentations. And that is the Q&A. Have you noticed that there is no Q&A in any of those presentations? You're right. Yeah, there's no Q&A. Do you know? Now, I, was thinking, now I, was thinking, I was thinking about price, but they have price. Uh, they have price. Do you? So now, is everyone aware why is there no Q&A? Like, is they it control clear the now? message. Of course. And you have the media inside of the room. If you have a question that the answer would be problematic for me, and will potentially ruin the chances of us as the company achieving the goal that we are aiming at, you would ask someone later, someone at some other 
point later yeah. after the presentation is Shoot over. And you ask privately. Shoot me yeah. an email, man. Shoot yeah. me an email. In front of everybody, everything is perfect, right? So, and the reason why they can do it, right? The reason why they can do it is people forget. Don't forget, these are not invitations. Like people that Apple doesn't get invited to speak at some somewhere. They run their own events. It's their rules, right? So yeah. that's why you see Microsoft doing it. That's why you see nowadays Adobe, all Cisco, all of them are doing it. So I think, again, it's all coming from the audience and the goal, right? Just wanted to mention. Yeah, that. I think it's really, I think one thing that I'm, I'm kind of uh, taking as a key takeaway from here is that yeah. um, people are not aware of the type of presentations, right? Sales presentation, general presentation, yeah. everything with yeah. the mind of, of what you said before, like a goal, right? But even yep. like a, a sales presentation shouldn't have Q&A. Yeah. <laughs> if possible, if possible, right? Yeah. If possible, if possible, not every single time we will be in the perfect case, but if whenever possible, that's what we did with Deutsche Telekom. Like if you have questions, come to our booth. It's not now. Yeah. Like, we can control it. So let's let's choose to control it. And when there is Q&A, because we did an IPO, uh, which became the second biggest in the history of the country, we, I'll be completely honest, we staged some of the questions, right? So, mm -hmm. but it, we're in control. We can do whatever we like, right? Yeah. I mean, this is our event. So we, uh, yeah, I mean, we asked a few people to ask questions. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, I think when people are doing Q&A, maybe just uh, because of a lack of fear, or not lack, because of fear. Right? Because of fear, yeah. Yeah, but let's see what the people will say, right? No, yeah, yeah. define your message, like you're saying, define your message and just deliver it. And that's it. What message you want? Like, even like, uh, you know, the um, uh, gossiping, right? What yeah. would you like to be gossiped about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, right? these, these are just, again, these are, it's very important for people to hear this because these are fundamentals, you know, mm -hmm. like the, if you don't get those two right, the goal and the audience, it doesn't really matter what slides you're going to do. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It won't hit the mark. Like if the presentation won't succeed, that's super important. Uh, I'll add the third thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's simple, won't spend time there, but it's just obvious. It's rehearsals. It's just, it's like people, I'm, I'm shocked even up until today. I'm in the presentation kind of world for like 10, 11 years now. I'm just shocked how many founders, how many people from the business corporates, NGOs, all like all of them just say when we tell them, hey, you need to rehearse it at least three, four, five times, especially if it's new content, mm -hmm. right? You are delivering it for first time. They are like, relax, Boris, this is my stuff. Right. I'm like, I know it's your stuff, but when you yeah. go on stage, there are reactions in our body that happen to prevent us to kind of, and make sure that we survive. And there are some, a lot of reactions that happen in our body that will throw you out of balance, right? So you want to be as prepared as possible, right? And every single time we say to somebody, Hey, rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it. Yeah. They're like, relax, relax, relax. And every single time they bomb like every it is insane i i agree um and i feel guilty also on the third one i always kind of i always feel that i could do more in terms of presentations uh yeah. and how i deliver them 
but you 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 started saying right now uh, at the end something really important about yeah. you know our body starts to generate yeah. different sensations emotions and so on yes and um one of my questions is uh, on yeah. body language and the neuroscience behind successful presentations can you share yes. some examples on that like what's happening on those behind two? the scenes yeah <laughs> so so i would just share like let's start from what people call stage fright right or what yeah. people define as hey i'm feel kind of there is fear of public speaking or whatever you may want to call it mm. or define it so if you think about what happens in our bodies is you have i'll just be brief that's a very deep subject so let me give you a kind of overview here so the main idea is this when you are about to deliver a presentation you are getting into the unknown right you're going in front of an audience or in a skype call zoom call or whatever and you don't know how this will end up right now now when you don't know how something may end up we are pessimistic creatures right we are pessimistic mm. by nature evolution taught us to be pessimistic because it's better for us and our survival to be pessimistic right it's better if i hear a noise somewhere in the bushes to say and to look towards the bushes and see and confirm that it's no danger right then saying nah, i don't give a red says right it's okay yeah i'm not looking at what's in there but i'm like mm, i'm optimist it will be fine it may be a snake it may be whatever right that will bite me after five seconds but i'm like optimist nah, i don't care right that's why we are wired to seek for those changes and confirm that everything is safe and we are going to be safe mm -hmm. right however with presentations when you go on stage you are getting into an unknown situation with an unknown ending right Now, this is where our so-called amygdala starts to fire up, right? Part of our brain that's responsible for our mm -hmm. survival. And because of that, you feel, you experience the release of things like um, adrenaline. You may have experienced it. Your body starts to shake, right? Your body yeah. starts to shake. All of those things. However, why are all of those things also happening? The unknown, right? Why are people asking you to rehearse a lot, right? Because this way you're prepared. You know what's next. You know what is coming up. You know your slides. You know your demo. You know how you are going to do the demo. So you are starting to remove from those unknowns, right? You're starting to make them fewer and fewer and fewer. That's why you also hear people saying, hey, if you have a technical demo, because you said, hey, the audience is, when we talked before the podcast, you said, hey, these are technical founders, etc." That's why you see that, for example, when you have a technical demo and you want to present a solution and not just play a video, you actually use video as a backup, right? You, you pre-recorded your demos just to be safe, mm -hmm. right? If something fails, you have a backup. And all of those measures going early in the room, right? Checking up the cables, checking up the setup, making sure that the audio and video person is your friend, right? All of those things you have to do so that you limit the amounts the amount of unknowns when you start doing all of those things you feel more comfortable you are like in control of the situation you are like it like there is nothing that can surprise me here right there is nothing 
Now, there is something else that also happens that a lot of people miss on an opportunity. And I want you to know this because it's easy to fix, right? Mm -hmm. This first part is easy to fix, but there is another evolutionary mechanism that kind of triggers and kind of influences us to be very, um, like very uncomfortable on stage or in the virtual call, but on stage more. And that's, if you think about how, if you take a look at evolutionary psychology, let's say, because at least for us, that's why you said at the beginning, we are very niched agency, but yeah. because we are very niche, we kind of go into the very details of understanding every single thing is if you look at it, think about how we, how we function. We function in tribes, right? Yeah. We survived because we were in tribe. When you were left alone, you are out of the tribe, which was obviously a very pro a, a big problem for you. You may not survive if you are alone compared to if you are part of a tribe, right? Yeah. When you are in a tribe, when you're in a group, you are more powerful. You can defend yourself. You can be safe, right? There is food. There is, you can share it on and on and on and on. Somebody else can find it on and on. And on. However, if you think about that and kind of inter like apply this into the presentation world, what does that happen in a room? You go on stage. What, what, have you seen this? Let me know if you have seen this. There is a presentation that has to start at 10 a.m., let's say. Your presentation yeah. has to start at 10 a.m. Yeah. The audience enters five minutes before, like starts to enter five minutes before the talk, right? The speaker is, or the speakers are on stage and they're not speaking with the audience at all. They're not trying to engage them at all. They're just looking at their monitors or chit-chatting by themselves. Mm -hmm. And when 10 a.m. hits, they're like, okay, guys, it's time. Let's hit it. Right? Have you seen this one yeah. before? Like, yeah. like that type of yeah, like lack bigger, of interaction. Bigger, bigger, yeah, a bigger conference, but yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. So imagine, imagine one, like think about what's happening behind the scenes. Now, together with you, if that's us, we are not part of their tribe. Right? We are left alone on the stage and we are not part of any group. Right? Which is a problem immediately for us. What's even worse, add to this something else. Add to the fact, add to all of that, and let's end up on that one. Add to the fact that, add to that part that what happens and how do people feel, like just go back in history, when two eyes or more than two eyes are staring at you, right? Think about it. Because when you are on stage and, or I am on stage, there is a group of people that looks directly at us and stares at us, mm -hmm. right? I don't know them, right? I don't know them. And they are constantly staring and monitoring my behavior. If you go back in, pa in the past, in the history, you see that when something is staring at you, it's probably not for good, right? It's <laughs> probably a danger. It's probably going to do something to you, right? And all of when you combine those right. things that you are left alone, and that there is a group of people that you don't know that are staring at you, this is yet another reason why people start to feel what they're feeling. Their amygdala reacts <laughs> and they kind of feel anxious. What's going to happen? How am I going? Am I going to survive more or less, right? Now, the easy fix of all of this is the, pre the unknowns is the preparation on yeah. any level, right? On any level. But that part with becoming part of the tribe you will see the most experienced do the most experienced people and speakers do it. What they do is before a meeting, before a virtual call, when you're joining a virtual call, allow and 
put the people in the call two or three minutes before the call, right? Chat with them, talk with them, become friends with them if you don't know them. This is how corporate meetings were run in first place. No corporate meeting starts at 10 a.m. It starts at 9.57 when everybody is gathering, chit-chatting, exactly. hey, how is your day? Hey, welcome. Hey, my name is Boris. Who are you on? And so there are three minutes where we kind of socialize and we become one yeah. part of one group, right? Yeah. But in a social, in an online call, every everyone is silent. Let's wait for some other people to join and uh, we'll start. Exactly. <laughs> all, all of those things. So the main idea here is for everybody that's listening to this to use those three, five minutes before an online call, before before a conference room meeting, before a conference, an event, a session at a conference to socialize and to make friends inside of the audience, right? Now, that one is not, I'm not saying this so that you talk with them on the topic that you're going to deliver. Just talk with them, make them feel like, just become part of them, you know? Because if you become part of them early on, before you go on stage, the difference is huge. Now you are accepted. You were accepted to this tribe and yeah. it's completely different dynamics. So I can go and rant a lot, but that's for another podcast, but just to give you context <laughs> of what's happening behind the scenes and how we can fix it, right? How we can fix it. That's that's super useful because that is something that I can relate definitely, you know, doing startup grind and also being part of different uh, corporate meetings. Yeah. Um, what I did in the past at the beginning in Startup Grind was exactly this. I was sitting aside, yeah, not interacting, and then, oops, I stepped it's in. Time. <laughs> right, it's time. It's uh, time. And I changed that. I remember that I changed that, and I don't even even know how I changed it. I think I started. There's a there's a, um, practice that they do in Silicon Valley at Startup Grind more than they do in in Europe uh, uh, okay. around uh, asking the people in the room of how can they help, how can they help, um, what kind what kind of skills they have and how can they help the audience over there. And okay. being, you know, you moderated that, by moderating that, you kind of do exactly what you're saying, kind of yeah. step into their yeah. tribe. So that's super cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the, the coolest part there is just um, another quick trick there. If you are able to provoke laughter in that audience, Mm -hmm. That's even better because laughter releases endorphins, which makes people feel better. Relaxed. Right? Yeah. Relaxed and better. And what's even more interesting is that when you make somebody in the front few rows laugh at the fact that you are communicating and you're exchanging some ideas, because of this research that was found that's called mirror, the effect of mirror neurons, people at the back of the room also feel better. Like this is so powerful. Like oh, wow. these things, these are not even so, laughing. Or how? No, not even like they are not laughing. But the fact that they see other people laughing with you makes them feel already better. And the fact that they're seeing positive reactions in the front, imi like ima just imagine. Has haven't you seen this one? You are no. in the movie. Just just think about. You are in the movie. Yeah. You are in the cinema. Okay. Yeah. You are in the cinema. And there is your, I don't know whether or not you have experiences, but let's try. Or somebody who listens. You're with a friend. Let's say you are with your girlfriend or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And you are watching a movie that's about a dog, 
right? It's a very sad movie, right? All of those movies for dogs, all every single time they are very, very sad, right? There are very brutal moments there. Yeah, yeah. Now, the person or the people next to you or your girlfriend, when something really sad happens with that dog, collapses emotionally, right? Collapses, right? And you see that they collapse emotionally. You don't care that much about the dog, right? But you also start to collapse emotionally, right? You, you are being influenced without anybody saying you anything. And you also kind of start to feel emotionally very drained, very sad, etc. And it's just because of what you're seeing and what you're experiencing around, what you're experiencing around you. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have experienced this, but I personally have yeah. many, many times I and do. continue to, by the way. Just because I see somebody collapsed and I care about this person, I'm like, this is so like, it's tears in my eyes already. And I was not caring about this dog, you know? (laughs) So yeah, these are, these are just tricks that you can utilize. Yeah. Um, That is, I mean, these couple of last things that you said, that is something definitely that I want to use. uh, Yeah. Use it for sure. (laughs) Use it for sure. Don't make people Um, cry though. <laughs> except delightful. if they miss the opportunity to invest in you guys. Right? Exactly, exactly. After yeah. five years, I told yeah, you so. I it. told you. I told you so. Yeah. Uh, Boris, uh, what was like, like kind of what was the biggest challenge you had to do in a PPT presentation or in a presentation? Like, who, what was the craziest request uh, or challenge? The, cra- the craziest request, I believe, was the IPO that we did so that raised more than 40 million euro. That was the most complicated, even up until today, I believe, presentation that we worked on because Mm -hmm. of so many moving parts, because of so many parties that were involved and because of the peer, just the sheer pressure of the moment, right? Because the fact that the CFO of the company was calling me in 11 p.m. on Friday evenings just tells you how much pressure does he feel, right? Just think about it. The CFO of a company has two kids, wife, it's Friday, 11 mm-hmm. p.m. He calls you to ask you something about, hey, what's happening with the presentation? Are we moving? Okay. Is it okay? What do you think? On and on and on and on. So I would say if I have to kind of mm-hmm. say, hey, which was, was the most complicated one, I would say the IPO that we did was extremely brutal because it was just the attention to the detail was insane. Um, there were moments where there were parties involved that crashed emotionally, meaning that they attacked our company for no reason, meaning that they started saying, hey, what you're doing is bullshit, on and on and on and on. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, these guys are financial people. What do they know about design? And they attacked us in a very brutal way. And do you know that trick when just for one email, they include the CEO in CC? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that is just just so such a cheap Cor- trick. Corporate, yeah, corporate. Yeah, and I saw tactics. that and I was like, and I was, because you can imagine that I'm also not as calm as I was before that project arrived in our house in our agency. <laughs> so I was like, okay, now I'm going to now I'm going to show them, and I was like, no, now I'm wait. pissed. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, 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 thirty minutes, wait for thirty minutes, and because I'm also coming from the corporate world, I know. Or I think belief seems like I know how to communicate very well in those type of pressure situations. So I wrote them such a very interesting, very well composed, yeah, politically correct email that the CEO of that company that was in CC just replied in CEO style. 
I support 356 laps sent without a dot, without oh, any, wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it was, it was that moment when we won everybody on our side. And from there, it became even easier for us. But yeah, if I have to be honest, this was the most brutal uh, preparation, the most amount of pressure that we took on. It was just so much money on the line, so much moving parts, so much, so many speakers that we had to work with. A lot of things changing in the last moments. I believe that there were 18 or 17 final versions, right? Like, I mean, final versions, not drafts. But the final, then in the next two days becomes 18 versions, right? Just because one number is now going to be changed or whatever. Uh, We did a lot of tricks in regards to the audience. Who are they? We invited them so we know them. We knew them by name. So we tailored the presentation based on who those people were. So we did a lot of crazy things to make that IPO possible. And Mm -hmm. there were some stressful moments even during the presentation. Again, take a look at this one. So again, remember the goal and the audience. We had 150 people in the room. 120 were or 130 were investors, Mm -hmm. Allianz, the biggest banks here. And 20 were from the media, Mm -hmm. right? And during the presentation, remember the goal and the audience. During the presentation, one of the people that is from the financial part, these guys were the people that didn't really want to rehearse with us, didn't accept any advice just because they knew it. You know, it's our stuff. It's our data. We knew it. However, this guy is very, when you see him present, you know that he's not experienced and you know that he's nervous. How do you know that this is the case? Well, you can see it on his forehead, right? He gets uh, sweaty sweaty yeah yeah he you can see it on his shirt which is now even more obvious etc and at some point this guy says well currently we have a problem with this with the solution with the software system that accepts your requests for buying shares and i was like wait wait <laughs> what problem with what system first of all this was not part of the rehearsal Right. This is the, more or less. You are saying to Ali. By the way, Allianz, just Allianz, who are in the room, wanted to invest almost 15 million euro. Just Allianz. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're in the room, and you are saying to them that, well, there is a problem with the system that accepts your requests for shares. Right. This That's is the like- same with. Yeah, that's the same with as with the iPhone. Right. Yeah. Buy it. It's just the battery doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So. We, I heard that and I was like, wait a minute, nobody asked him. And this was the first time he ever says that. Yes, there was a problem with that system, but why are you mentioning this? And so you see the reaction of the CEO who sits on the left-hand side of him, just raising his head to the right to see what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> he gets red, right? He gets red. His vein on on his uh, forehead. On his forehead. Yeah. forehead becomes like large, you know, like so visible. He get got so angry so quickly because he realized what just happened, right? And our guy moves on and says, by our guy, I mean this person, not that he works for us or anything like this. And he says, but we hope, we hope, we are not sure, but we hope that up until June the 17th, everything will be fine. So we hope. (laughs) We hope. So there is still a chance that it won't work, you know? And when I heard that, I was like, it's 
now over because if you think about the audience there is media in the audience exactly if i'm in the media do you know what's going to happen i'll just raise my hand and i'll just ask i'm sorry can you repeat that last thing that you said and i'll stop there yeah right just hey can you repeat that last thing that you said trust me a person who is going down (laughs) yeah a person who already said something like this won't fix himself right he's just going to make it even worse and what's going to happen because of that well we never know right thankfully no one from the media kind of heard that or i don't know obviously doesn't think like me or like the ceo who heard that and was like what the hell is going on in here Mm -hmm. right so thankfully nothing happened and this ipo became a huge success but in that moment like i was like now because i cannot kind of uh go on stage and say hey hey, hey, relax relax what was the question again right i'm not involved in this whole process i cannot go and there and fix the situation for them right it's just them on the stage so it was a very scary moment in the same way as when the clicker died during the presentation right uh the the ceo presents and the clicker dies obviously we had backup microphones backup batteries backup clickers better machines backup everything was backed up three or four times just for the sake of hey again no unknowns in this room <laughs> okay <laughs> whatever happens it's fine we have it we have it exactly. so it's it will be fine but thankfully the clicker started working because he just um moved the slider there is a slider on the logitech clicker and he just moved it to the bottom part of the um the clicker so that's why it turned off uh, it turned off for a sec yeah. but then he kind of realized and I was already going to the stage, giving him another clicker, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super yeah. cool. That's super cool. Um, uh, and uh, Boris, I think we are coming to my final question over here, which is really uh, connected to what you said over the, o- on on the audience part and investors and you know that type of audience. Um, so my question is, um, what are the investors looking at when they go through a presentation? Like, what are some key things that are let's say paying attention to well it will depend from investor to investor and i would i believe in general things maybe yeah i i would think that you would probably support me here that it all also depends on which stage of the investment you're talking about because if you look at the very early stages i would argue that investors at the very early stages are not looking for the potential money that they are going to get they're looking for whether or not they will like the founders and the team and of course the idea mm-hmm. but it's not exactly hey oh this idea on a very early stage i mean will bring me a ton of money it's let me see if i kind of like the idea like the team first right because at the very early stage you don't you never know what's going to happen uh but i believe that there are a few things that investors are looking for right and you can find them very easily that is one of the places where i agree with guy kawasaki who is a very uh, like the chief evangelist of canva was working for apple before as mm-hmm. chief evangelist was a speaker also at the brand minds event uh, he has this 10 20 30 rule right you may have heard it that many yeah. people kind of use for every single presentation they have which is not you should not do that again you shouldn't use that rule for every presentation that you have this rule was aimed and was created for startup pitching 
mm-hmm. right? It was not created for sales presentation, for a product presentation, for a company overview, for this is, it is all about startup pitching for pitching an idea because you have those 10 components that investors are looking at. Like, what is the problem? What is the solution? What is the business opportunity here? Like, who is the team? What is your ask? Like, how are you going to invest that ask? What is the competition? On and on and on. Those 10 things that every investor is looking to in one way or the other here, right? If you are presenting in front of them or read by themselves, right? So I would say that I don't have to kind of find the, um, discover the hot water or whatever it's called in English. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so you can go just Google and check Guy Kawasaki's 10, 20, 30 rule in regards to startup pitching. These are the 10 things for sure that investors are expecting to see in a deck, be that a document or when you're presenting them in front, uh, when you're pitching them in front or doing, or as part of a Zoom, Google Meet, whatever call. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, and there's uh, one more final question from my side yeah. because I kind of, uh, uh, came to it uh, while I was listening to you. What are some some new presentation tools uh, yeah. or platforms that you've seen later later launched? Because I've seen one, and I'm gonna tell you uh, after you tell me yours. Uh, but I'm curious if if we have it uh, in in the portfolio. Okay, so I will go. I will first go with this old one that kind of updated itself quite dramatically. I will even go even back. So first of all, let me just mention this and I will leave it there. That PowerPoint that you know is not the PowerPoint that it that it is right now. Just I'll stop there. There is a lot of information. Just Google words like morph, zoom, SVG support and stuff like that. So PowerPoint mm-hmm. is very different animal than before. Let's stop there. Then the tool that updated itself quite dramatically was Prezi. So Prezi was popular with the hmm. zooming interfaces and stuff like yeah. that. Now there is a new feature in Prezi or brand new product as part of the Prezi ecosystem that's called, that's called Prezi Video. Prezi Video is a really cool solution that more or less is augmented reality, right? Next to you, somewhere in your virtu- in your camera, it's only for online presenting. And as part of your surrounding, it adds your presentation on top of it, right? So it's augmented reality. So this is Prezi. Then the next one I would point to before I say the one that you know about without even talking to you, but I know which one you saw for sure. Uh, The third one that's not the one that you know is Beautiful AI. Uh, That one is is a brand new product that's interesting. You may want to explore it. It's cool. It's very early, at least for me, but it has some great ideas inside. Now, the one that you heard about that we haven't discussed, but I know that it's this one, <laughs> Let's see. is, is pitch.com. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, uh, so the guys in Berlin, uh, the guys in Berlin did this presentation software that's called pitch.com. I was an early beta tester. And nice. yeah, it's a very interesting platform. It's a very interesting tool. Uh, they are saying some crazy words as every startup will do, of course. Mm-hmm. We'll kill PowerPoint, we'll do that, and we'll do this. Oh, that's not on. going to happen. Like no, that's not going not. to happen that easily. And I would say that they don't need to kill PowerPoint to be successful. No. Let's just put it there. But pitch.com is a very interesting new product. Those guys really understand design and user experience. I mean... Really, yeah, really nice. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, we are chasing them to present pitch.com at present to succeed. So, if you guys see that, 
shoot me an email on <laughs> Boris at <laughs> anyway. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tag them once we're gonna publish this episode and, go, and yeah. we're gonna say tag like, them. Yeah, we're gonna say tag we them. talked about you yeah, in the podcast. In this podcast. Yeah, exactly. We're not gonna say where. You're yeah. Have to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, pitch.com is an interesting platform. Double check it. Make sure you see it, especially for startup founders. I believe it's an incredible product. Um, it has a lot of things like there is so much future in the, in front of this product. This guy that runs it, the founder of the company actually created Wonderlist that sold to Microsoft. Exactly. So this guy okay. really knows what he's doing. Um, nice. Yeah. So he is really experienced in regards to running startups that are fancy, sexy, and know how to sell themselves. The fact that they raise so much money uh, from a lot of very popular investors is mm -hmm. telling you that they know what they're doing, right? Exactly. So interesting products for so many reasons, not just for you building your presentations there and your slides and collaborating on your slides, yeah. right? because yeah. that's very interesting, but also because of how they approach their sales and marketing uh, efforts i believe it's very interesting to monitor that one part that it, part always, it always boils down to marketing and sales i mean that's something that founders have to understand there's yeah. no Especially, company actually yeah there's no yeah. company without marketing and sales oh no and no, it, no 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 and, and and yeah coming back to pitch um i've seen their presentation video super super slick yes um, the word uh, is slick you're right it's yeah. slick. <laughs> uh and yeah i mean their niche Uh, it's really, I think they're going into, into like, uh, you know, there's a huge problem within corporate uh, structures yeah. around the presentations. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I've experienced it so many times and I, I think they're going to nail it really, really, really well in terms of. I cannot, like, I really hope they will move the world in a positive direction. I'm not aiming at them fixing the whole situation. They can't do that, unfortunately. But if they just move the needle just a little bit globally, that is welcomed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Boris, this was awesome. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Uh, really, this yeah. was awesome. Thanks for uh, me. I think it was even you dropped some knowledge bombs even more than uh, in our first conversation. So this is super, super useful. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for joining Tech Talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, share, and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward. Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.